Welcome to episode 89 of the Average Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at Bamble.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney, uh, last one to leave to theater.com and ATLCW.tv. And a few things have happened since our last podcast. Most notably, the Olympics have started, which has been pretty fun to watch. Have you been watching a lot of it? A lot of it. Every night. <laughs> um, it's, it's keeping me up a little bit later than it should. But um, I'm really surprised by the the amount of curling that they are showing in this Olympics. <laughs> like, every time I turn it on, it's curling. Um, have you guys felt, felt that way? <laughs> I mean, I actually haven't been watching much of it. The only really thing I've seen, besides the, the opening ceremonies that we all watched together, um, I watched uh, the, the snowboarding halfpipe the other day with, uh, with when Sean White won the gold. Um, other than that, you know, I've just been catching up on updates and stuff like that. Yeah, I've actually so. watched some of the curling and also because um, I, I actually like that sport. It's, it's such a weird sport. Um, but I also have been watching the women's uh, USA hockey team, uh, which unfortunately lost to uh, Canada um, the other night. But uh, hopefully we can get a medal out of that that sport. Well, um, so so far, so good with the uh, the Olympic coverage and figure skating is like, I guess, kind of sprinkled throughout. So there's which is mainly what I've been watching. Like Doug and I have kind of been fighting over like which channel we're going to watch because I just want to watch the skating and he wants to watch all the snowboarding stuff. But um, <laughs> you need you need picture in picture. I know. Well, I feel like what I need is uh, what Carrie has with being the, the Hulu where you can pick exactly what you want to watch because it's I swear like every time I start watching an event and it's like after this break, you know, figure skating and then it goes to like snowboarding for an hour. And I was like, wait, what happened to the figure skating? Like it's uh, it's difficult. Snowboarding to is the break. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess it is. Um but the coverage so far has been uh, been really cool, and it's been trying to like stay away from your phone like while you're watching the Olympics because of CNN updates, like telling you who's won as you're watching it. Yeah, which is a well, little. I, mean, I still remember like a couple years ago where like they would spoil. In, oh yeah, like, they would spoil like who won like in the commercial break for the show for the whatever event they're showing. Yeah, because I remember there's a huge uproar over that. It's like, why are you even doing this? So. Yeah. I guess they're, they're getting better. A little better. I feel like I just need to disable CNN alerts during the Olympics. But, um, so yeah, anyways, that's going on for another another week or so. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that next week. We have a big episode next week. You guys know what it is? It's our one-year anniversary. It is. It's our one-year anniversary. Yay. Well, y'all's one-year anniversary. Um, what's, what's, what's the one-year uh, February 24th. It, no, no, no. Like, what's the... Is it paper? Is that the one-year anniversary thing? I think it is paper. You know how, like... Yeah. Like, you have, like, the gold, platinum, whatever. I got. If we yeah. if we make it to whatever platinum is, that's going to be that's a... That's probably, re- like, 25 years. Real accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, we're going to have to do something special next week for, um, for y'all's one-year anniversary. It'll be... I don't even... Well, obviously, I've been doing it for all 89 episodes, but uh, you guys joined in well, last February. Well, we're getting close to 100, too, so. We are getting close to, to We're going to need to start organizing that to get Jakai back on. We are. We are. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Um, so only a, only a couple of months out from that. And yes, paper is the traditional first anniversary present. So, so we'll all wear paper hats. <laughs> that works. That seems lackluster. <laughs> but then again, it is paper. It is I mean. paper. There's not a whole lot you guys can can do with yeah. that. No. But um, well, well, paper cups can hold alcohol, so we can all drink. That's true. We could do that. This is a good not, plan. Unless we change our recording time. <laughs> <laughs> As we all drink whiskey at Thursday at 11 a.m. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm gonna take a take a midday work break. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. Well, uh, let's dive into stuff because we have um, we have two reviews this week that we're going to get into here in a hot second, and of course, one of them being the highly anticipated Black Panther, which 
we all have Ooh. a lot to talk about. Um, but before we get into that, on the superhero note, um, I mentioned last week we did a bunch of interviews at the SCAD ATV Fest, so I wanted to dive into um, our interviews that we had with the Black Lightning cast. And specifically, I wanted to highlight um, them talking about their experience filming here in Atlanta, since, of course, there was a good portion of Black Panther, which filmed here in Atlanta, too. So it seemed fitting to talk about Atlanta filming today um, when we're dealing with the comic book genre and projects filmed here. So um, the cast of Black Lightning, which let me, there was quite a few of them that attended the festival. Uh, Christine Adams, Nafisha Williams, um, Damon Gupto, Marvin Gordon Jones III, James Ramar, Cress Williams, um, all sat down with me to talk about their experience filming in Atlanta. So um, here are some highlights from those interviews. Um, well, I am, um, I'm born and raised here, so naturally I want to oh, talk wow. to you guys about filming in Atlanta yeah. and that experience for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's been, uh, it's been great. I mean, you know, it's, um, I'm, I'm pretty much a native Californian. I've been there, been there since I was like three, so it's pretty much, uh, my wife's born and raised. And so it's been an adjustment, um, for us, uh, moving here, but I feel like it's been a fairly smooth adjustment, but, you know, also for the sake of the show, it's, it's, um, it's easy because you know I feel like I always felt like uh, from the from script one that the the city was uh, a character that it came to life as a character and this is a perfect place for that character to be um, prevalent it, it works really well we don't have to like work hard to make it real it just is so it works really well so I want to ask about your experience filming here in comparison to other places Atlanta okay so when I found out that we weren't shooting in LA and there was a possibility that we would be shooting here or or New Orleans and I was just like I could do Atlanta I've been visiting since I was you know a teen. I had friends who lived here, grew up here, went to college here. So I'd always come here and hang out. I knew my way around. I knew where to get my nails. And I was like, listen, guys, Atlanta will work for me. The food is so good. And also just being here, you know, working on the first black superhero TV show, Family. Um, just being here among the, amongst the culture and, you know, knowing that I can, like, drive up to Martin Luther King's church, like, hello, like, Atlanta's been good to me. I really, really like it. And if we're not going to be in L.A., this was really my first choice for us to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a perfect setting for the show. It's perfect, right? Yeah. You know, Tone and everything. it just works, it works here. And I'm really uh, thankful for the city of Atlanta and, 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 you know, happy that you guys have this show here. So I want to kind of start out talking about um, filming in Atlanta versus other experiences that you've had filming in other cities. What... What, how, how has Atlanta been different than other filming experiences that you, you've had? Well, Atlanta's uh, uh, a big city with a small town feel. And you have everything that all the big cities have to offer. And yet, you know, you're a stone's throw away from beautiful trees and woods. And, and you can get out in the, the wilderness a little bit. And people are, are not as rushed and hustled as they are in some of the bigger cities. Uh, except for the traffic. Yeah. Uh, Tra oh the traffic God. The traffic's a challenge. And, and, you know, because I, I mean, I've shot in some places that are pretty remote, um, and, and, and that can be a, a, a grind, but, but being here, there's enough to do in the, in the, in the, uh, the off times that, that uh, I don't get bored, and the, and the, and the resources of the, of the city and the community are, are, are quite, quite full, so it's a good place to be. And that was our Black Lightning ATV Fest coverage of uh, the cast talking about what it's like to film here in Atlanta. I feel everyone that films here loves it. I feel like just yeah. as a as a visitor to LA, the few times that I've been out there, and as stressful as it has been, it's just got to be such a fresh uh, breath of fresh air for um, for actors. Yeah, uh, and I've, I've, I've interviewed the uh, the creators of the show um, <clears throat> and. They really, when I interviewed them at Comic-Con, they really stressed how they wanted to, the show to be set in an urban setting. They really wanted to be filmed in Atlanta instead of in Toronto, which is the normal place where all the CW uh, comic book shows are done. But they really wanted an urban setting to, to highlight the fact that this is such a different show than your, your normal superhero show. It is. It is. And Atlanta, I feel like with the um, 
with the projects that film here. My dog found her toy, um, so <laughs> which is uh, the toy Matt gave her, which is her favorite toy. Fozzie um, okay. joins the podcast again. I know she's. Uh, I jokingly call her my PA, but she's like literally the world's worst PA. Um, <laughs> Come on, give me your toy. If yeah. anything, you're her PA. I know. I feel like that's... It's you got you to gotta cater to her needs. Fozzie's world, and we all just live in it. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it's it, Atlanta really becomes like a character of the show almost, and, you know, um, in Black Lightning and F, F, FX's Atlanta as well. It's, it's cool um, how much of a, a life the city can breathe into a project. Yeah, and in this the, the the episode that played this this last week, there were a lot of Atlanta scenes, and they showed the skyline a lot um, in this this last episode. Um, you saw the downtown a lot. You saw the you know the big uh, um, uh, Olympic uh, setting, and it's just a, it's just a great great setting for a, a series that's set in an urban setting. It is. It is, and. Kind of on that note, there was an interesting article um, before we, d- we dive into our, our Black Panther um, stuff. Of course, we're going to do our box office report first. But I wanted to talk a little bit about um, this article that I came across this morning, which was Black Panther had an $84 million economic impact um, for Georgia, which is huge. Um, the movie had a, a cast and crew of more than uh, 30 100 people and uh it was 83.9 million that was actually spent on production here in atlanta which is pretty cool um and we're going to talk about the atlanta recognition factor and everything in it because it's actually a little bit more than i kind of expected it to be which was cool um but to dive into a little bit more specifics with those numbers i'm scanning through the article now um the filmmakers spent $10.8 million on rental equipment and grips here in Georgia, $9.4 million on lumber and hardware and supplies, and $5.6 million on lodging and $2 million on transportation, just to name a few of the revenue benefits. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's great that, that you know, this 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 uh, state has really embraced the film industry, and um, you see it also in the fact that Almost every studio that's here is expanding. They're actually adding more um, uh, studios to their 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 facilities. Right, right. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, well, before we we go too far down the Black Panther path, because I know we have a lot to talk about with uh, with that one, let's talk about um, last weekend's box office, which I actually don't have pulled up, so I'm pulling it up right now. Um, <laughs> as predicted, Fifty Shades Breed came in first with $38.5 million. Um, coming in second was Peter Rabbit at $25 million. And third was the 15 or 1517 to Paris. Four, Jumanji fell to four, about freaking time. <laughs> um, $10 million. And The Greatest Showman still hanging in there in the top five yep. uh, with $6.4 million. Um, I feel like uh, Fifty Shades Free did, you know, we, we all kind of expected that one to come in first, but I think Peter Rabbit in uh, 1517 is a little bit of a surprise, right, guys? Yeah, it really is. I, I thought it would 15, do, s- but like, you know, low, you know, in the mid-15s. I didn't think it'd do 25. That's that's a really high number for Peter Rabbit. Um, uh, 517 to Paris did about what I thought it would do. Um, but yeah, Peter Rabbit, that's, that's a bit of surprise. I told you, I told you it was a good movie. I was, I was surprised at how good it was. Although there is a, there is a lot of backlash going on right now about it because of the, um, the, the, uh, allergic, uh, backlash on it. Yeah. Which I can kind of understand because basically there's a scene in the film where Peter, um, Dom Hall Gleason's character, he's allergic to blackberries and so Peter Rabbit and, you know, his all his his sisters and brothers, basically, they are slingshotting blackberries at him and causing an allergic reaction. And, of course, they play it up for humor and stuff when in reality, you know, that's something you definitely don't want to do in any case. And so yeah, they're, that's... Trying to, they're getting mixed messages out of it. Feel like that's, and I think uh... that's a filmmaker's already apologized for it and saying, yeah, we're sorry. That's some pretty hardcore bullying. <laughs> um, definitely don't want to do that. Um, 
Do you think it was just because, because we all kind of talked about this last week about how the trailer wasn't really, it wasn't really enticing for, for viewers. Yeah. Um, do you feel like it's just because Jumanji has been the only thing at the box office for, for the last eight weeks that um, Peter Rabbit did so well? Or do you think it was really word of mouth from people that went and saw it and said, hey, this was actually something you should... Or more importantly, do you think it was purely your review last week on the Atlas podcast? <laughs> I'm going to go with I'm going to go with number three. <laughs> of course, it was definitely my word only. Well, we caused. we have we have seen that even the the worst kid friendly movie can do a number at the box office. I mean, look at the Emoji movie and how well it did. But boss, but, I, but also, I, th- I think it also is word of mouth um, helps a great deal uh, with this type of movie. Um, but I think that, you know, once again, we should be talking about The Greatest Showman, which is still in the four or fifth rung. And it's, and it's doing incredibly well. Um, and I, I read an article about it and the fact the studio um, had, you know, because you remember the the first box office, the first weekend, it did horrible at the box office. Yeah. And then since then, it's just steadily stayed this same, you know, you know in fourth or fifth place for eight weeks. And it's I just mean, we, it's, we all said like that first week when we reviewed it, we were like. This movie is going to have legs. Yeah. Well, it's really been a silent. Because we all loved it. Well, and they've done they've done some cool things. They've done some sing-alongs um, where they've done you know done like Alamo Drafthouse does, where they have the the lyrics on the screen and everybody sings along with it. They've done some great marketing with it, but it's just I'm just amazed on how long this film has lasted at the box office, and it's still in over two thousand theaters, which is also amazing. It is. It is. I really feel like it's been almost a silent hit, though, because no one really seems to be talking about it. But yet people keep going to see it and it's staying in the top five. Um, But again, it's one of those things where we've literally not had anything come out for the last (laughs) month. So um, I'm that's all about to change. It is all about to change. Um, So on that note, uh, let's talk about predictions for this week and um, like number predictions of what you guys think Black Panther is going to do. I'm going to, I don't think it's going to beat Avengers. Um, I think I'm going to say probably around 190, 195 million. Yeah. I'm going to be a little less than that and say around one one eighty, but it's still going to do huge, huge, yeah. huge number. Um, and I, and I also think that uh, Peter Rabbit is going to have some legs. and, Aww, and some cute and come little in. furry legs. Oh, sorry. Well, sorry. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and come in number two. And I think it's going to do another pretty big number, like like around 20, 20 mil. So you don't have high expectations for early man then? Uh, no. Early man, unfortunately, while I loved early man... Um, it's not going to do a big number. It's going to do probably five to six mil would be my guess. It'll probably come in five or six. I mean, Greatest Showman might even beat it. Do you think, uh, are we going to see Jumanji stay in the top five? Or mm-hmm. is Jumanji finally going to exit the top no, five? No, I think Jumanji will stay in the top five. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, there's. it's really only Black Panther being added to it. So, I mean... Yeah, Jumanji's gonna stay there. So also What's, not. What, uh, is, what you haven't given us your number, Emma? What? I was gonna say one eighty. So, um, but that being said, like it wouldn't surprise me if it beat Avengers. I feel like it, you know this is such a you know as we kind of get ready to dive into our view, it is such a different. Um, it's not your typical superhero movie, which is a, yeah. a really nice breath of fresh air and. It does stand completely on its own. So I think, you know, you don't have to be a fan of superhero movies, I don't think, personally, in order to really enjoy this movie. And it's not as overwhelming, I think, to people that aren't superhero fans. Like Avengers, you're like, holy cow, there's like 17 superheroes in this movie. Whereas like this one, it doesn't feel as like overwhelming for someone not familiar with the genre. Right. But you got to remember also with the Avengers, they also had basically... 
um, that first weekend with Avengers, they were showing the film 24 hours a day. They were showing it at 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. and, you know, 8 a.m. Right. And they're not doing that with Black Panther. Um, right. So you're not going to have the box office that the Avengers had because the Avengers was a an anomaly because of the fact that literally you had theaters that were showing Avengers on every screen they had. Um, and you're not going to you may never see that ever again. Right, right. I don't know. I I could see them doing that for Infinity War. <laughs> I think Infinity War will be Avengers. I mean, if there's one of Marvel's films that are going to do yeah. it, I mean, the sheer it's be Infinity the, War. the star power in that one, I would assume they would take a similar approach of you know showing yeah. it on as many screens as they can. Um, <laughs> and Fozzie well, agrees. Fozzie, Fozzie agrees. That's her way of saying she agrees. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm just gonna try to try to ignore her. <laughs> but um, on that note, let's uh, let's dive into our review of Black Panther. Um, Matt, do you want to set this one up for us? Yeah. So Black Panther, it's basically taking place right after Captain America's Civil War, which introduced Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, and basically Chakala is returning home to Wakanda, which is his home country. Um, Basically, they've kept away from outside civilization. This is where vibranium comes from. And so he's returning home after the death of the king, um, his dad, his father, King um, T'Chaka. And so the, the entire film is basically him returning home and taking on both the mantle of the Black Panther and then also taking the throne, being king. And so he's trying to deal with how to be a king, how to be a ruler, and, you know, dealing with the death of his father. And basically, um, it's a very, very political film. And so you have uh, basically Michael B. Jordan. He plays Eric Killmonger. He's the bad guy of the film. And he challenges the Black Panther for the throne. Um, so we all saw this one um, a little bit earlier this week. They had a, a special afternoon screening for press. And um, I'm just so excited to review this one. Um, all right. So <laughs> let's let's dive right in. Um, were you guys bored at any part of this movie? No, 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 not at all. I mean, it's it's a lot slower than other Marvel films. You know, there's a lot less action but the story is so engaging and so interesting. It's very it very focused on Wakanda and the culture and the political aspect of this country. And so all of that is very interesting and very engaging. You know, like like you said, Emma, earlier before we started reviewing how it's very independent of everything Marvel has done. So there's yeah there's there's no boredom here yeah it's really a different type of marvel movie than we've seen before and the fact that it's it's a lot more about the the characters in the film than it is about the action and it's a and it's more about the backstory and all the culture that this in, involves than it is about about just being a superhero and fighting evil no, I, I completely agree. I wasn't bored at all. I honestly lost track of time in it, um, which is something that I feel like is very rare for me to do in a movie, especially when I've not had lunch yet it is, uh, or not had dinner yet. Like, I'm always very aware of, you know, how long a movie is lasting because I want to go eat. Um, but I completely lost track of time. Um, were you guys rolling your eyes at any part of this film? Uh, there might have been a little bit of rolling, like 0.1% of rolling eyes at some of the CGI, especially in the action scenes. I would agree. It, it yeah. can it can get a little bit wonky there, especially towards the end. But um no, not really. Yeah, that's that's my only complaint about this film is that um especially the first couple of action sequences, they're in the they're basically in the dark and you can't see all the action that's going on. And I, I just found that a little bit disturbing, I guess is the best way to put it. 
Um, but it's, it certainly doesn't take away anything from the film. Um, but I ju- that, that would be my only complaint about the film. I felt the, um, there's a, a couple of scenes that they do, um, no spoilers here, um, that, that does involve an action sequence and um, this kind of little water area. And then there's a bunch of people like on this, the, the side of this cliff. Um, the CGI in those scenes bothered me. Um, yeah. I felt like it's it's something that kind of took me out of it briefly just because it it didn't um I mean obviously we're we're in a fantasy world here but sometimes when the CGI doesn't quite make you believe it you kind of pull yourself out of it a little bit. Um but that was my really my only complaint. As far as eye rolling, I think most of my eye rolling was just like the anger I had at the villain, at <laughs> Michael <laughs> B Jordan's character. Um but other than that, um there was no eye rolling for me. Um, best and worst actor in this one. Um, who stood out to you guys? I'm giving, for me at least, the best actor. I'm giving it to Michael B. Jordan. Um, Eric Killmonger is definitely one of the best villains of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, they actually, you know, give character to him. He's not just this easy little one-off villain who wants to destroy the world or something like that. Like, he's really complex. And Marvel has always really struggled with its villains. Like, that's always been, like, the major... One of my major complaints about, like, almost all the Marvel films, with, like, the exception of Loki or something, um, is their villains. And they've struggled with that. But right. I, Black Panther is one of the strongest villains yeah, I, agree. So, yeah I, I totally agree <clears throat> because <clears throat> sorry about that um, he he is such a complex character and they give him a great backstory and that's what a lot of the the Marvel villains don't have is a great backstory and it's also I think it also helps helps the fact that um, Ryan Coogler has worked with Michael Jordan before with in Creed and also in Fruitville Station. So there's a familiarity between the director and the actor to get the best performance out of him. And this is a wonderful villain, and it's a villain that you hate almost almost right from the start. Um, and see but but at I, the same time at the same time you you understand his his origins that the why he's like he is. You get to see what made him to be this villain, and I think that's a and great for me, like, And for me, I didn't hate him. Like it, you know. Like I, like what you said. You understand him, and you get to see how he became his way. But like that didn't make me hate him. Hate him. Right. Well, for me, I didn't have anyone that I, I didn't enjoy. I think yeah. there is um, everyone did a really I think what really impressed me about this one is the level of humor isn't exactly like it, it doesn't feel like other Marvel films like the cast. The, the humor in this is more dry and a little bit sarcastic and more subtle, not your typical kind of, you know, more obvious jokes or more in your face jokes that that Marvel typically does. And I think everyone in the cast like seemed to have a moment where they got to, you know, deliver one of these lines that just like, I, I just really appreciated the humor so much in this one. And I think that made everyone's performance so much more enjoyable for me. Um, and I really, 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 really like, I, I obviously we talk about walking dead all the time on this one. So we have to like talk about deny um, who plays yeah. the show on the walking dead. And she's absolutely fantastic in this. Like what a cool role for her to have. Like, it's yeah. just such an empowering, like, you know, badass role that she well, she gets to play in this. Well, what's what's cool about this film is how many women are in this film, and not only how many women are in this film, but how many women that are strong and are fighting sometimes even better than the hero himself. I mean, right. it's just it's an amazing, amazing film that the the women in this film are are almost overshadowing the main character because they're so strong and they're so powerful. 
I would agree. I would agree. They're so and smart. I mean, they're they're really smart, too. So having so many I mean, it was almost kind of like Wonder Woman in that regard, where I think if you're a young girl and you go to see this movie, you're going to leave feeling empowered and you're going to, you know, want to dress up as one of these characters for Halloween because they're just such awesome characters and awesome role models. Um, Yeah, especially uh, Leticia Wright. Who yeah. plays Shuri, the the younger sister? She's she, amazing. She steals like every scene she's in. She does, she does, and she's kind of like the ultimate geek girl too, developing all of this like really awesome technology yeah. and functional fashion, and just um, yeah, it's I, I just I loved the character so much, and I think that yeah. the the, the uh, actors that were picked to play them just did a fantastic job. And you know, one thing I, I didn't I notice. Will s- I will say I kind of wished for more of Sterling K. Brown. I would agree. I loved him. I loved what he did. And I I just love everything he does. So it's just like I wanted to see more of his stuff. I agree. And like I completely understand why, you know, without going into spoilers, why his role is so limited. But it's just like, ah, it's Sterling K. Brown. Come on. Give us some more. (laughs) Well, it's a a great cast. I mean, mean, you got Lupita Luongo. Um, you've got uh, um, Sterling K. Brown. You've got Angela Bassett. You got Forrest Whitaker. You got Andy Serkis. I mean, it's it just goes on and on. I mean, they just this cast is amazing. It is. It is. And speaking of that, um, there was another Walking Dead cast member in this movie. Did you guys pick up on it? Because I didn't until I just read the trivia section. Oh yeah, it was. Um, I forget. I remember. I heard. He had a small, small role in Walking Dead, though. He had a small role in Walking as Dead, as... but he's a he's a local Georgia Georgia boy, so you got to give a shout out to him. Um, Travis Love is actually in um, in Black Panther, so he is um, one of the warriors. He was uncredited in it, um, but it, it made its way onto the IMDb. Uh, <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> I am DB. I'm just gonna keep saying oh. that. So like Carrie, uh, Carrie hears it. <laughs> why, why don't you just Why don't you just say it out? Like say the full name, the Internet Movie Database. Uh, yeah, that's that how I should start to. saying it. But I've only said it correctly on this week's edition. So just just pointing it out. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was cool. I didn't realize that uh, he was in it. I feel like he should have got credited for that. But then again, I didn't see him in the film. So. Um, so yeah, <laughs> but um, let's uh, well let's talk about Atlanta recognition factor um, too because there was a moment which all press kind of looked each looked at each other and laughed. Yes, we all laughed. That was that was hilarious. Because <laughs> um, basically, so one of the scenes is at like a British museum, and they cut to the outside, which is the um, was it the Atlanta? Oh my God, I'm it's the high museum. The high, the high, high museum. museum. Yeah. And it's such a recognizable, especially for any Atlanta person, like it's such a recognizable building. And so when they cut to that, everybody just laughed. Yep, it's uh, it's funny because it's of course currently a hospital on Fox's The Resident, and it was a hospital on um, Red Band Society, which was also on Fox. And I you know it's been a gazillion other things and a gazillion yeah. other movies. Um, it was I, in the Divergent movies. It was. It um, was. It yeah, um, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. I want to. I want to see like a list of everything that the high has um, substituted for. But I also really love that there was like something in Atlanta that they that Marvel felt like looked like it should belong in London. Like that's that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So there is an Atlanta recognition factor in this one, and there was a few other scenes that I thought could be filmed in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, well, there was Atlanta City Hall doubles right, for you pointed the that UN, out. and that right. was that was in the trailers. So that scene made it into the film. Did you guys recognize anything else or? Um, those were really the only two. But yeah, like you said, like there were some things that like, oh, that could be Atlanta. I don't know where it is, but that looks right. like Atlanta. Yeah, there's right. a couple of street scenes that looked like it was Atlanta based. Just I right. didn't know where they were, just but they looked like it's got to be here. Well, um Overall, on the official Atlas scale, um, one being you never want to see it again, and five being you <laughs> want to go see it again, buy the DVD and uh, buy all the merch and deck yourself out in Black Panther 
merch. Um, what would you, what, what do you want to give this one? Um, I'm giving it a five. Yeah. That should come as no surprise. I mean, this is definitely one of Marvel's best films they've done. It's, and I think that's because they focus so much on the individual story for Black Panther and its characters in Wakanda. And they're not worried about trying to tie it into the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, they don't, there aren't that many references or Easter eggs or that kind of stuff to the outside world. So it's very focused on Wakanda and their story. And it's a better film because of that. I agree. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a five also. Um, this, you know, but Ryan Coogler now has done three amazing films. So he did Fruitville Station. He did Creed. And he's done this film. And all three films are brilliant. And also, we should mention that um, an Academy Award nominee, uh, Rachel Morrison, um, it was the cinematographer for this film, and she's up for an Academy Award for um, for oh God Mudbound. Mudbound, and um, so and she did the she was the cinematographer for for um, Fruitville Station. So it just it's a it's a brilliant movie. It's it's just it's got the right amount of humor without being overboard, and it's. It's a different type of humor than normal Marvel movies in that it's more personal. The humor is more it's more about the interaction between two people. Um, right. It's made, you know, it's like it's almost a, a lot of times it's making fun of the other person, making fun of their their tributes. Like one of the things is um, uh, the main character uh, is in love with uh, Nupita Luong's uh, character and he He's, you know, he's been told on their first mission, don't freeze when you see her. And of course he does. And then he is mercifully kidded by his, his, uh, his sisters about his sister about, about that. Um, and I just love the fact that that is, it was such a warm humor. It wasn't a, it wasn't the normal Marvel humor where it's more, you know, like Deadpool or the Avengers type of humor. There's more of a, there's a warmth to the humor to it. There is, there is, um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely echo everything you guys have said. I, I do feel like it's. Um, I was kind of describing this um, the other day as um, it's like Lord of the Rings meets Star Wars in Africa, um, just because of like the setting and the technology and the grandness and the the action scenes. It just it has that that bigger feel to it. Um, and it's funny because one of the um, it's got gonna, a little bit of Lion King mixed into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's where's the where's the quote here? Um, I'm gonna butcher his name. Um, the actor from Get Out, um, Daniel Kaluuya. How do you say his last name? Kaluuya. 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 Um, he actually compared this to um, like Marvel's Game of Thrones. Um, which I also yeah. feel like is a pretty That's accurate a comparison too. It just has it has an older feel to it, but yet still really modern. It's with the uh, with the technology aspect of it, but it just has that kind of Middle Earth. Uh, I, I, it's just the environments Medieval are so rich, kinda. medieval. Yeah, like it's uh, it's just so well done. Um, so yeah, I would I would completely say it's uh, I would echo what you guys said, and I would give it a five as well. It's to date, it's my current uh, favorite Marvel film. I really really enjoyed this one, and I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I, I, I put it I put it in my top three. I still Avengers was such a I guess a breath of fresh air that I still rate Avengers higher. And then also Guardians of the Galaxy, just because it's so much fun. It is um, a lot of fun. I, w- I would rate those two higher than this one, but this is close. It's definitely in the in the top three of my my yeah. Marvel movies. I think my my top one is still Captain America: um, The Winter Soldier. I just I just love that movie. I and mean, then then probably Black Panther. It's uh, 
I mean, it's not like we're talking about DC movies yeah. here. There's not yeah, really no. a bad Marvel movie. <laughs> there's no, there's no, well, I mean, DC, there's Wonder Woman, and then there's like a huge gap, and then there's everything else. Exactly. And then, Suic- and then Suicide Squad. Yeah, and, I, and I just watched uh, Wonder Woman the other day. Again, it was, uh, it was on HBO, and I watched it, and it's such a good movie. Man, it it's is. a good movie. Just give Patty Jenkins the DC universe. Put her in charge of it. Yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. Um, well, moving on, uh, we have one more film to review this week. Um, Early Man. And you guys saw it early last Saturday when yours truly was still sleeping. So, um, uh, Mike, do you want to set up what this one is about? Sure. So, um, Early Man is about some uh, basically men, uh, a tribe, that's been forced out of their homeland by the evil Lord Noth. Um, and Doug and his fellow tribe members unite to take on the Bronze Age city dwellers in a game of soccer. Um, it's basically kind of early man is the Doug and his, his fellow guys are still wearing uh, fur and they hunt rabbits and they're set in their ways. And Lord Noth and his Bronze Age city dwellers are uh, in the Bronze Age, whereas Doug is still in the Flint Age. And um, so it's a clash of two societies. And um, they decide, Doug decides to to get back his homeland to take on the Lord Noose soccer team with his own team of misfits. And that's what the movie's about. So, were you guys bored at all during this one? Absolutely not. It's a fun movie. It, it's it's from the um, uh, Aardvark uh, group. They, Aardman. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, and um, they uh, they're the, the the Nick Nick Price um, is the guy that directed this film, and he's the guy that's behind Nick the Wallace Park. Gromit films. <laughs> Matt's over there fact checking you. <laughs> and also the uh, uh, Chicken Run film. Um, and so it's the same stop motion films that, that if you're a fan of the Wallace Gromit films, it's the same type of animation. Um, I love this film. It's, it's, it's a fun film. It's, it's got a great message and uh, it's just a wonderful little film. I'm going to have to disagree a little bit. I, I was a little bored with it. I, I wanted more from it. I love the animation of it. The stop motion animation and all the clay that they do is amazing and top notch. Like their stuff rivals, you know, Leica and Pixar, I would say. So watching all that was great, but I felt the story was lacking. And it's just like, I wasn't really into the humor. It was like, huh, that's kind of funny. But I don't know. I just wanted more from the film. And, like, I loved their last movie. Um, they did Shaun the Sheep movie. And I thought that was hilarious. And that was wonderfully done. And so, to go from that to this was kind of a little disappointment for me. Yeah, and I I butchered the guy's name. is Nick Park, not Nick Price, by the way, that directed yeah. this film. But Oh, I corrected I, you, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's what I was referring to. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I, I disagree. I, I really liked this film. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it's, I thought it was a great storyline. And um, it's got to, it's going to have an appeal worldwide because of the, the soccer factor. Um, I just thought it, was, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Were you guys rolling your eyes at all? I mean, I was a little. Just because of the humor. It just wasn't my style for... For some reason, so there was there was some some eye rolling. I did I didn't have it. Uh, didn't have eye rolling at all. Uh, I guess this one's going to be one of the ones that's kind of hard to say best and worst performance. Um, but was there any anything that stuck out to you guys about the the voices of these characters? I did love um, Hognob, who is basically Doug's pet wild boar, who acts like a dog in the film. Basically, um, I thought he was hilarious in every and he kind of stole every scene he was in. Nick Park actually did the voice for that, even though it's just kind of like sounds and like, oh, kind of thing. <laughs> but um, 
I like yeah. I like Eddie Redmayne who plays Doug. Um, I thought he was very good um, in the part. I will also say um, I was surprised Tom Hiddleston. He voices Lord Newth, and like that impressed me because I do not see Tom Hiddleston like I don't see how Tom Hiddleston did that voice. Like I don't see him. You know, like you could tell Eddie Redmayne is Doug. Like you can tell Macy Williams is Guna the. Um, basically the, the the girl who helps Doug train train them all to play soccer. But like even now, like I know Tom Hiddleston is Lord Newth. Like I still can't picture it. So but he yeah, he did a good job voicing, I say. Fun fact, that accent that he's using for that villain is French. I mean, he <laughs> sounds like Sasha Barra Cohen. <laughs> like that's it that's that's who I imagine would have voiced him had I not known it was Tom Hiddleston. So props it, to him. That's a fun fact a fun fact here listed. Um Nick Park was inspired to cast Hiddleston based on his appearance on the Graham Norton show when he did an impression of Robert De Niro. So um I need to watch that impression. Yeah, I kind of want to check that out too. I don't I don't see any kind of Robert De Niro. <laughs> Or maybe um, it was just so spot on Robert Darrow. He's like, oh, he can do voices. Maybe that was it. Um, I have to ask before we, we dive in, obviously no Atlanta recognition factor here at all. Um, although a claymation Atlanta movie would be pretty rad. I would, I would enjoy seeing that. Um, That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> um, one of the other things here, it says that it's rated R18 plus in Australia. Did you guys feel like any of this content was like, really not child friendly or maybe it got edited differently in australia or something r18 plus maybe really? maybe that means something different in For, australia than it seems yeah, like it no, would here no it's pretty um, no. it's pretty tame yeah um, i don't know why it would be r18 plus yeah. that's that's weird that's what the imdb trivia page <laughs> says um yeah, restricted to adults. Um, the content is high in impact. It is restricted to adults. Some material may contain classifiable elements such as sex scenes, drug use, that are high impact. What? <laughs> There's none of are that you... in this film. No, yeah. Is that, I don't, maybe this is not an accurate. Maybe that's a wrong film, yeah. No, I mean, it's on the trivia. Let me see if I can, um, rating in Australia. Let me see if I can, I'm going to fact check this. Um, in the meantime, while I'm fact checking this, do you, uh, what, what did you guys think overall? What would you guys give this on the official Atlas scale? I mean, I'm going to give it a, like a three, three point, between like 3.25, I'd say. Like, I love the animation. The animation is what, you know, kept it going for me. You know, I, as I said earlier, I felt the story was lacking and just the humor wasn't on point for me. So I'm giving it a 3.5. I'm giving it a four because Matt's dead inside. Um, I, I love this film, and I, I just enjoyed it from the very start to the very end. And I, I enjoyed the storyline a lot. Well, I'm still having troubles finding um, if this is... If I, 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 want, I want to see the R-rated version. I know. This. I want to know like, <laughs> what Australia made it. Australia is getting. It's, uh, I, you know, you would think if you... Let me put early man in quotes. I'm, Google it's, is, it's the director's cut. Google is failing me right now. Um, yeah, like the maybe that'll be on the DVD version. Um, yeah, it's not listed on. No, I can't find its listing or its rating anywhere for for Australia. But um, that that's probably a made up trivia fact. We we do I, have another film that's been releasing in Atlanta this weekend called Happy In. Um, I just briefly touch on it. Um, it is a very bleak and dark tale of a family that's falling apart at the seams. Um, the The biggest uh, star in it is Isabella Hooper, and uh, it's uh, it's it's an interesting film to watch. But man, you just—I mean, everybody in this film is depressed. I mean, you got you got characters committing suicide, trying to commit suicide. You got people being killed by poison. Um, it's just a bleak, bleak tale. Um, and I don't know why it's called Happy End. Cause it's not happy at all. Well, because they, they want... I mean, I guess... I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. But like, it, to, to me, I got the impression like, oh, kill, dying 
as an old man, you know, who's bound to a wheelchair kind of thing, my happy end would be to die kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's directed by Michael Haneke, and um, uh, it was uh, nominated at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, it was um, Austria's submission to the Foreign Language Film Award for the Academy Awards. Um, it, it's an interesting film to watch, but man, it's a depressing film because literally nobody in this film is happy at all. <laughs> well, um, I don't. I don't think that one's going to make a huge impact on the box office um, this weekend. Um, but before before we wrap up, um, still cannot find the Australia rating. But I want to let you know if you're in Russia and you're over the age of six, they deem it appropriate for you to be able to go see. Oh. Um, so that I can't confirm. Maybe it is wrong. I mean, I think it's just. I guess anyone can can edit the site too. So maybe someone just threw that in to to mess with podcasters like myself. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's. Uh, if anyone finds finds the Australia rating, let me know. Um, if, but, if any of our Australian fans, <laughs> our listeners in Australia, go and see, go and see Early Man. Yeah, let, let, us, let know. us know what it's like. <laughs> it sounds why like- is it rated R? Why do you have to show your ID <laughs> to buy a ticket to this to this animated kids film? There's someone some, somewhere that's laughing about like adding that to this page and then messing people up like me, but it's fine. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, we do have a lot of movies coming up next week. Um, yes, actually, I think we, I'll... we finally get to where we've actually seen a number of films in a week. Um, I've, I've got three screenings next week. Um, so finally, we, we're, we're to the point where we're back to a normal screening thing. Yeah, I think a lot of them are early screenings, too. I'm not sure when the embargo is up. Like, we're seeing Red Sparrow next week, and I don't think that one comes out until March, right? No. Yeah. But the embargo, the embargo is going to be up for that. Yeah, so that, that's a good that's up. a good indication that, that the uh, the uh, studio thinks that it's going to have good word of mouth. That right. they're, they're doing a screening that early, and they're, they're doing the embargo early. Um, we've got uh, Game Night, which is a comedy uh, coming out next week. Uh, Nilliation, which is getting great buzz. Um, and then also a movie that a lot of people uh, are, are a lot of critics are raving about, A Fantastic Woman. It's also uh, coming out next week. That's really good. Yeah, I've already I've already seen that. So. Well, cool. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of a lot of stuff um coming up next week so be sure to to tune back in um i think that's it for this week did you guys have anything else you uh wanted to mention no no go see black panther go see black panther i echo that um well thank you guys for listening again this is the atlas podcast my name is emma loggins editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with Last One to Leave the Theater.com and ATLCW.tv. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Bye.